0: Uh, amen. It is. It's. Thank you for being here today. I know it's a bit nippy, right? We need a bonfire right there. That would just make this perfect. And uh, welcome to our Zoom people as well. It's good to have you uh, joining us today. As Sam mentioned earlier, we are going to be here one more time. Okay. Yes. Next, right. when, uh, next Sunday. All right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there we go. It's right. And I do want to encourage you to look around while you're here and to really enjoy this. This is obviously a little unorthodox for churches. Churches don't meet out in parks like this. Usually there's stained glass involved or some bricks and mortar. But it is great to be here because church is not the facility that we're in. Church is the group of people together, the collection of faith. And so it is great to be here. I'm going to share some thoughts with you from the scriptures, and then we're going to take communion. And then I really want to encourage you to enjoy this fellowship together. Uh, And plus, you'll be warmer if you fellowship. So, uh, all right. I am specifically excited today because the Wangs have brought Arlo with them. Arlo is their German shepherd. Uh, You know, the Wangs have a couple dogs. But according to what Caroline has told me, Arlo, uh, if the sermon goes too long, Arlo starts letting out these audible sighs. Like, uh. So I, I'm like, I'm ready for the Arlo challenge. All right, so that's, so we'll see. I know some adults who do that too, but that doesn't bother I'm more, I, I want to, right honey? Oh, sorry. She's like, ah, can we wrap this up? Can we keep this going? Amen. All right. I'm going to read to you today, this morning, something very inspiring that I hope will encourage and build your faith from John chapter 1. John chapter 1, we've been talking about growing faith. And if you've missed any of our lessons recently, I encourage you to go to our website, take a listen to them. We've been talking about this church, this ministry being not only a place where faith grows collectively, but also where faith grows individually in our hearts, together. And, um, and that's what we want this to be. We want this to be fertile soil for us to grow faith. So I'm going to read to you a passage I find incredibly inspiring, incredibly encouraging, and hopefully you will find it that as well. And it will build your faith. So let me read to you, John, chapter one, beginning in verse one through. Oh man! Oh. Oh. All, right. All right. I guess it's over. No, that was just uh, that was just a warning, right? Uh, we got the Arlo Ar- Arlo warning over there. All right. Let's read together. John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And that's great when you look around and see all the things that have been made around us. Verse 4, In Him was life, and that life, was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light What an amazing passage of Scripture, right? What an amazing portrait, painting of how great God is. I love this passage because it just poetically helps us understand how great and amazing God is and what God has done for us. There's so many insights and so many little nuggets of, of, of spirituality that you can pull out of this, just these 14 verses right here. For example... We can see from this passage the eternity of God, how God is eternal. It talks about in the beginning being the Word, and it talks about how the Word was God. And then later, it even talks about how the Word became flesh, meaning Jesus. So you see that God and Jesus and the Word, they're all one thing. Even though they're separate, they're all one. And then it talks about how they were at the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of everything. You know, the scientists agree. I mean, people have a lot of different thoughts about the origins of our universe, but there's a general consensus that there was a beginning, that it started somewhere. And that's what this is talking about. This is talking about the beginning. But the implication isn't that it was God's beginning, that it was just the beginning of all of this, that God and Jesus and the Word were actually there before the beginning. That's the implication. And so again, the the beauty of this passage is the eternity of God and how big and vast and amazing God is. And then it paints this picture of of how there's like darkness and then all of a sudden God, boom, turns on the light. God and Jesus and his word, they are the light that came into the darkness. So I love this picture. I love this, this passage because it... It talks about the eternity of God. But I love this passage because it also talks about the humility of God. Right When you're reading this passage in verse 6, there's an abrupt change. Right There's just a, a contrast all of a sudden. It's talking about the vastness of God and how great God is and how big God is and how, how amazing God is. And then all of, a sudden, all of a sudden it says, and then there was a man, John, who came along. And I I love that. I love that God is using a person. That God is, in all of his eternity, and all of his greatness, is using something temporary to teach eternal lessons. And that temporary thing is you and me, is people. And it really is just a testimony to the humility of God. Because you see how great God is, and how massive God is, and how awesome God is. But then you understand and you see that God in all his greatness uses people, people and people have always been part of God's plan. Think of all the great people that have done great things through God. I mean, you know, we, we read some of them on Wednesday in Hebrews chapter 11. But, you know, Gideon or David or Hannah or Deborah or Rahab or Abraham or Peter or Mary or Paul or you. I mean, think about all of the people that God in all of his greatness humbly works through. I mean, if there was anybody that could make the most epic Super Bowl ad, it would be God, you know, to get his message out. Like, this is how I'm going to... But that's not how he chooses to get his message out. He chooses you. He chooses me. He chooses people to convey how amazing he is. And so again, you read this passage and there's some amazing stuff. You see the eternity of God. You see the humility of God. But one of the things that really is moving to me and, and really stands out about God is you see here the family of God. You see his eternity, you see his humility, but you also see the family of God. You see that God, in all of his greatness, in all of his power, he gives us the opportunity to become his children. He gives us the opportunity to become part of his family. And you look around, and that's what is going on right here. That's what the church is. The church is a collection of God's family. I love what Candy said earlier about the internationalness, the multiculturalness of our church. And this is a very multicultural church. I mean, we have everybody. We have Mets fans. We have Yankees fans. We have Giants fans. Uh, We pray for the Mets fans. Amen? Amen, Matt? (laughs) <laughs> That's a, oh, <laughs> so, no, but we do. This is a very uh, diverse group of people, as it should be. That's right. In fact, we do a lot of work in this church, to, and we've done a lot of work lately to really embrace that and really to love each other. A couple uh, weeks ago, maybe about a month ago now, we had a whole uh, a worship, a midweek service dedicated to cultural humility. To talking about learning to understand each other in our differences, in our, our cultures, in our, uh, our backgrounds. But I love this passage because it reminds us that ultimately, that's not what brings us together. Ultimately, it uses it says it's not from our natural descent that pulls us together, but what pulls us together is God. That's right. That's what ultimately brings us together. It is our faith. It's our individual faith in God. And you know what? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that my walk with God is not based on my natural descent. Because if you've read the Bible at all, you know that originally God's people, His chosen people of natural descent, were the Israelites, were the Jews. You know, and I am not of Jewish descent, and so I am thankful that God has opened the doors. You know, I remember uh, about 10 years ago, I studied the Bible with a friend of mine who is a doctor. We were living in North Carolina, and he is a Jew. And he wasn't familiar with Christianity at all. And so it was really inspiring and uplifting to me and to him to be able to study about Jesus together. We studied the Bible. He, he decided to put his faith in Jesus and became a Christian. And he's still a Christian. Ten years later, he and I talk all the time on the phone. He's still in North Carolina. But uh, we're, we're very good friends. But right after he became a Christian, he said to me, he said, Phil, I would love it if I could, if, would it be okay with you if one time for uh, at one of our church services, if I did a class on the Passover? And I thought, oh, that's really interesting. I, I'm familiar with the Passover. He goes, you know, the, how Jesus celebrated the, the Last Supper, the Passover. He said, could we do a Seder together? I was like, oh, okay, sure, yeah, no, no problem. And I was amazed at how little I knew. I never felt more like a Gentile in my life. It was really convicting because he, as we went through the seder and we went through each part, he read from the Gospels of Jesus and how Jesus did the the Last Supper, but then also tied it into the Old Testament. And I'd never seen—I've gone to church my whole life, but I've always grown up in gentile churches right and so i just got I, i i it was it was like it was brendan it was the first time in church that i felt so much like an outsider but it was good for me it was good for my soul because it helped me realize what god has done for me you see if i rely on my natural descent as it says here, it just leaves me deficient and lost. But because I, this passage teaches us that we don't realize that being part of the family God is not about our natural descent. It's not about where we come from. It's just about God. And it leaves me grateful and thankful. I don't know your natural descent, but you and I together we can be in the family of God, not because of us, but because of God. And a loving family is an inspiring thing, isn't it? I mean, when a, it's inspiring when a family welcomes an outsider into the family. It was actually five years ago this week, five years ago this week, that I got a message through Ancestry.com. I got a message from a woman about my age. And she said, hey, um, I think I might be related to you. And I thought, yeah, sure. You know, you know, it was like, all right, maybe. But but so I, I, I engaged with her and we talked a little bit. And, and she started saying these things about my family that I was kind of surprised she knew. She said, did you have an uncle that died when he was 20 years old? And I said, Yeah, I did. My mom and my mom's side of the family, my mom is one of five siblings and one of her younger brothers, when he was twenty twenty years old, no, twenty-two years old, was killed in a car accident by a drunk driver. And it was obviously a tragedy uh for our family. It but I, I was I was an infant, I didn't know much about it at all, but I heard about it. And so uh it was obviously heartbreaking. But what none of us knew is that his girlfriend was pregnant. And his girlfriend, who was very young at the time, didn't tell anybody, didn't tell him, didn't tell any of her friends, just only told her mom. And so she decided to keep the baby. Uh, She had the baby. and, um, And this baby was born in 1973 in Jacksonville, Florida, and they had arranged for a private adoption, and so of all places, a couple came from Morristown, New Jersey, wow. took the baby, and this little baby, little girl grew up in Morristown. Later she, the family moved to Roxbury, and that's where she grew up. Um, it, they had arranged it so she would never find out who her biological family was. And I, um, but, but she was very persistent, very persistent. She eventually found out who her mother was. She talked to her mother. Her mother wanted nothing to do with her. Her mother gave her very little information about her father and uh, she was feeling pretty hopeless. But after 45 years, 45 years of searching, she found me online and she realized that we were cousins. And so we talked about it and, you know, at first we were like, uh, you know, you think it's a scam, you get a little sure, but, you know, it's not like there's some big family fortune to get. So we weren't <laughs> really, we were really worried about that. But long story short, we did some tests, DNA tests, and uh, it turns out she is the daughter of my late uncle. Wow.
1: And I remember,
0: again, this, this was five years ago, this is this week. I remember reaching out to my mom and I said, "Mom, I think you need to sit down for a minute. Um, I need to tell you something." And I told her the story, and I'll be honest with you, I wasn't sure how my mom and her siblings were going to respond. You know, they're all still alive, the four of them, and I, I just I didn't know what they were if they were going to accept this person. And my mom absolutely blew me away. My mom said, "She said, we absolutely." will accept her into the family. And I said, Mom, I was a little worried that this might have been, you know, fake. And she goes, you know what? Even if it was. <laughs> she goes, we're still going to accept her into her. That was my, I was like, you go, Mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was amazing. And my cousin, Stacy, is now so tied into my family. Not my family, her family, our family. And I was so moved by my mom and her siblings' love. To welcome somebody into the family. That's the power of being brought into a family. And that is what God has to offer to you and me. God is offering you and I an opportunity to be a part of His family. Not through your natural descent, not because of how great you and I may or may not be, but because of God. And so I make one appeal to you in closing. One appeal. I appeal to you, will you be a believer? Will you be a believer? I appeal to you, please, be a believer. Remember verse 12, we just read, it said, yet to all those who did receive him, to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Will you be a believer. I'm not talking about believing like just a verbal acknowledgement. Oh, I accept that. Check. Sure. No, you got to you got to go on and read more of the book. Right? I just read you the beginning of it. There's a lot more. It's a lifestyle of a belief. It's a choice. It's really truly giving yourself. It's really being a believer. It's like me watching a Syracuse football game. I mean, really being a believer, right? That's right? Come on, Syracuse fan. I, I know. I know I'm the only one. Me and Arlo, we're big fans. All right. I'm just talking about truly being a believer. Letting your life reflect your faith. That's what we're talking about. And let me give you a secret about how that happens. It's connected to your time in the Word. Right. We just read, you know, we just read about the power of the word. So whether you need to become a believer or maybe you're struggling with whether you want to stay a believer, either way, you got to look into the word. That's where your connection to the eternal comes from. Right. That's the word is God is Jesus. It's all the same thing. It's the Bible. It's immersing yourself into it. That's where you become a believer. That's where it happens. You may say, Phil, hey, it's a big book. I don't even know where to start. And you're right. It is a big book. But we can help you. That's what we do here, actually. That's what we do. Not just the ministers, but all of us. Right. We, teach our, we, we teach ourselves how to teach the Bible. And so if you need some help, you can just speak up and say, hey, I need some help. It's okay. There's no shame. We all, we all need help. There's absolutely no shame in that whatsoever. But you've got to get yourself into The Bible. This is an amazing passage. In this passage, we see the eternity of God. We see the humility of God. And very inspiringly, we see the family of God. This is an inspiring passage because it does launch the story of Jesus. And I would encourage you to read it and to look at it. And Jesus, whose life and death ultimately paid the required price for us to have any of this. Jesus did that through his life and allows us to become a part of his family. So we're going to take some time to remember Jesus, to honor Jesus in our own hearts. I'm going to say a prayer right now. And then after the prayer, I want to encourage you just to sit for a moment and just to reflect. You can close your eyes. You can look around. But just really let, let this message, this message of love made possible through the cross, let this sink into your souls. Let it sort of marinate and really soften your hearts. Let's say a prayer, and then we'll have communion together. God in heaven, we are so grateful for your love. We're so grateful for this message. We're grateful for your word. It is beyond what we deserve, and it is beyond what we expect. And God, we are grateful that you did this for us. Help us, God, to embrace it. Help us to be, really be believers. God, help us to really let your love move our hearts, sink into hearts, even now as we take communion together. We love you, and it's through your Son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.